I'm Jake Thompson, and this is the Better Than Yesterday podcast. What's up? I'm glad you're here. I'm Jake Thompson, Chief Encouragement Officer at Compete Every Day and your host for the Better Than Yesterday podcast. I don't know if this is your first show, your 21st show, but I'm so glad you're here. I'm so thankful that you are choosing to invest the next 20 to 30 minutes with us and that you're part of this larger Compete community driven to be better than you were yesterday. Today's guest comes to us from Chicago and Ed Molitor and I actually connected in a pretty cool way. He'd written a blog post on his website, The Molitor Group, about the importance of competing every day. I immediately caught the article, caught wind of it on my Google Alerts, had to reach out to this guy, had to connect. Ed is a former college basketball coach. The guy's had a really interesting career in that he's worked as a Chicago mortgage broker. He's been a motivational speaker, still is to a degree, and also was a college basketball coach. So the guy brings the focus of athletics, coaching, and leadership now to the corporate world where he leads as the Molitor Group coming in working with corporations and business leaders on how they can implement the same approach that some of the most successful basketball coaches are able to do with their teams. Really the importance of the intersection between sports and life and where you can find success there. So Ed and I have hopped on the phone numerous times throughout the last month. Uh, We've talked basketball, we've talked my frogs winning the NIT, we've talked March Madness. His career, his time he spent in Texas, down at Texas A&M, and just the different relationships of people that we have in common and and getting to connect on shared mindsets of the importance of competing in your everyday life. Ed comes at the approach of leadership, teamwork, success in a business setting from a very sports-specific mindset and how that can apply. So regardless of whether you're a sports fan, basketball fan, or you just love business, or heck, you're all about competing to be better, this has got a little something for everyone. I'd love to welcome to the show, Ed Molitor. Morning, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Better Than Yesterday podcast. I'm joined with Ed. How are you today? I'm doing well. How are you doing? Man, great. It is, uh, it's good to connect. Ed and I connected, oh, it's been a couple months ago, but you had published an article on your website for the Molitor Group about competing every day, which obviously caught my attention and started digging around a little bit and seeing what you were about and absolutely love Uh, your story, kind of your mindset and approach with the athletics of business. And so before we dive into what you're doing now, give everyone a little background on who you are and and kind of where you've come to up to this point. Absolutely. I'd be happy to. You know, my background obviously lends itself into why I'm doing what I do, uh, why I'm so passionate about it. But when I got done playing college basketball and I, I graduated, I went into becoming a college basketball coach. I, I grew up a coach's son. Um, I, I grew up around the game. I grew up in gyms. I grew up around the people. And to me, that was just, you know, life. And the t- type of people I was around back then always preached into that athletics was a microcosm of life. So that seed was planted at an early age. Um, so when I graduated, I, I went to a Division II school here outside Chicago, Lewis University. I uh, stayed there for four years. Uh, and then after that, uh, I went down to, at the age of 26, I went down to Texas A&M. Uh, for a couple of years, uh, then our head coach was, they say, reassigned. Uh, bottom line, you're fired. And 
you know, I was 28 years old at the time and you can't pack your box quick enough to get out of the office. And I had no idea what I was going to do with my life. Uh, before I went to AM, I was living across the street from Ridley Field. And next thing I know, I'm living in College Station, Texas. And next thing I know, I don't have a job. All right. So I, I took a, a couple weeks off. I went to the Final Four. I went skiing in Vail. Then I went back to Chicago for the Cubs opener. And I realized that my dog and my car were still down in College Station, Texas. Okay. So I needed to go get those two things and then figure it all out. Well, I went into the mortgage business. And, you know, 1998, the mortgage business was a phenomenal industry. It was the start of the refi boom. Uh, you would think that I'd be perfectly happy making pretty decent money living across the street from Oak Street Beach at the corner of uh, Division and Lakeshore Drive. Um, I was absolutely miserable. And um, I went back into coaching. So long story short, I bounced around. And I've spent the last, not the, not the last, but the last six years of my career prior to starting the Molitor Group, I was in military recruiting. In other words, we placed former exiting retired military jobs throughout the country. In my last three years with them, I was the vice president of operations. I absolutely loved it, but there was something missing. And for a long time, you know, not only did I believe athletics was a microcosm of life, uh, I bought into the concept and the belief that basketball, that's my point of reference, basketball was a frame of mind game. So if you combine those two, I came to believe that business is a frame of mind game. And that's where I failed miserably when I was in the mortgage business. You know, that's you know, when I was in coaching, my big thing, you know, if you want to go back to the why was to make a positive impact in, in the lives of others. Uh, you know, I can sit here for hours and tell stories of guys I picked up in the projects of Chicago and, you know, to go to the first day of school and they had all their belongings in a pillowcase, um, you know, or I mean, on and on and on about where they came from and where they are now. And that's how I was fulfilled as a person. What I didn't recognize when I got to the mortgage business was. I was still making a positive impact on people's lives. You look at uh, people that were buying their first home. Well, that was the single biggest financial investment they were making up to that point in their life. I, I didn't recognize that. A lot of that was my ego. A lot of that was my ignorance at that young age. Um, people who were refining in the refi boom, and taking their cash out, doing something else with that equity they built up, you know, doing something else with it. That was a, a big impact on their life. And it took me a while to grasp that concept that no matter what your career you're in, what path you're taking, you know, why are you doing it? You know, and how do you fulfill that? So I knew I was missing something and I wanted to found this company for a long time. It's something I wanted to do. And I, I, I did it at an ideal time in my wife and I's life. We have a four-year-old and a two-year-old and she's a full-time, she works her tail off in sales. So I thought, what the heck, why don't, well, let's just launch a company. Let's just do that right now. Okay. Uh, so that's how I got to where I am now, and, and I wouldn't do it, you know, I wouldn't trade any other way because truth be told, and we talk a lot about the journey and the process, I don't think the Molitor Group and our brand, the Athletics of Business, would be as successful as it is now had I not had those experiences and failed as many times as I did. Absolutely, and, and you have the proper perspective. It's funny, like last week's guest that um, I had the opportunity to sit down and talk with uh, Shama Hyder. Uh, she is one of the most influential people in social media, but she talks about her perspective and the perspective she's always had that she's always been a competitor against herself, which is ironic because she's like, I don't do sports. I'm not good at sports. I don't like a me versus you, but me versus me, like she thrived on that and she kept every opportunity as well as every setback in that proper perspective that put her on the path um, to where she is. And, and obviously, 
from a coaching experience, you see that because you see where you're taking guys from their first year to their senior year and, and the growth and development. And even as a player, sometimes we don't have that grand scheme and we're not able to see that far down there where every piece fits into place um, as you're organizing practices, as you're organizing workouts with that end goal in mind. That's obviously been hugely beneficial to you in, in building this group um, and in building the athletics of business. From a coaching perspective, what has given you the most fulfillment on the corporate side uh, of being able to do that, the things that you did for those players and those impacts you made with the players? What I love is when I go in and either work in a, a, a development, like a training setting or a speaking setting, and someone comes up to me afterwards, and you can see that the light bulb went off in their head, okay? Like they've had these limiting beliefs that they maybe didn't think they could do it, or they thought they could, but they listened to everybody else, you know, what they told them why they couldn't or why they weren't able, all right? And they bought into that. Um, and to see that light bulb go off and for them to just talk nonstop for five minutes and thank you and not thank me because in this aspect that, Oh God, I, I'm, I'm great at this. No, because I've been there and I've seen that and they hear them and then to take on coaching clients, you know, regardless if it's for six sessions or 12 sessions and a month goes by after that last session and you get a phone call, unscheduled phone call or just a, an email pops up and the timing is always impeccable. It's always when you're having one of those days that you, you can use something like that, but to hear their story, you know, to hear that, uh, you know, they manifested something that they wanted to do, whether it be a, a a dream, whether it be a long-term goal or whether it just be a, a, a small victory. Uh, we talk, you know, I talk to my clients a lot about feedback loops and I try to compress the feedback loops so they're constantly getting small victories or they can make adjustments. So that's where it's really fulfilling for me. And you talk about competing with yourself. To me, that's that's something that I really try to pre preach because I, I mean, I love your message. Compete every day and competing with yourself is the most important thing. And here's the best analogy I can give you. I go to Creighton in my recruiting business. Now I was a walk-on, but they must have wanted to appease me or, or my parents <laughs> or something. So I went for, for a visit, and I'm watching him play open gym. And all of a sudden, DeWan Cole from Fort Wayne, Indiana, uh, one of my favorite guys in the world, after they're done, now he's lifted, he's ran, and he's played two hours of open gym. He grabs a basketball. He's 5'10". He goes up, jumps, taps his shoe with the ball, and does a 360 dunk. He's a point guard. Okay, that's what I'm a point guard. Okay, it was at that point where I realized my battle was not going to be with the one every day. It was going to be with me every day. Okay, and I think that's we've got to turn that focus back because I and I think that's one of the challenges with social media now is it's so easy for these you know young adults when they get into the business world or if you go far back as kids. I'm getting a little away from it here, but to compare to other people's success stories. Or really, what's about, what are you doing for yourself? Are you better off today than you were yesterday? You know, are you trying to be the best version of yourself that you can possibly be? And how present are you in the process? You know, it's, it's interesting you say that. I was jotting down uh, some notes about that because your eye-opening experience was a much earlier start for me. I, I kept the me versus you mindset well after college. Uh, when I was working in the representation world, like I wanted to win, I wanted to beat everyone else instead of focusing on how I can continue to improve myself, which ironically has led me down this path. But 
it's interesting how easy it is to get out of our lane and, and lose our focus when we're constantly looking to someone else and focusing on beating someone else versus focusing on what we're building, what we're creating, uh, and what we're trying to do kind of inside of our own world and what we control. With your athletics of business mindset and what you're taking into that corporate space, do you continue to see that comparison game as we just discussed being kind of one of the major issues uh, in your community, in your client base? Uh, that's one of the hardest, I would say, hurdles to get over? Or do you see another area that that competitive mindset, that athletics mindset um, is really needed much more? Well, first of all, that's a great question um, because there's a couple different ways to answer that. Is it is it an issue? Is it a challenge? I think it always is. And I think you and I are very similar in the fact that we're very competitive people. And just because I had that aha moment on my visit doesn't mean I really bought into it. Um, I was very stubborn. I, and I remember it took me a while to buy into having an abundant mindset. I didn't always, you know, I was one of the scarcity mindset. Like I need to beat you to the punch. I need to get there faster than you. You know, when I was in the mortgage business, I would get to the office on Mondays at 6 a.m. knowing that the real estate agents weren't in their office and I would leave them voicemails because I knew nobody else was in my office doing it. Okay. But then, you know, I guess the, the way the light bulb went off for me on that one was I was listening to a speaker and, and they're talking about the abundance mindset. And he said, the best way I can explain this is you're sitting at a party and there's one piece of pie left. Okay. And everyone's kind of, you know, complaining about who's going to get the last piece of pie. If you have an abundance mindset, you look in the fridge for another pie or you just go to the store. Okay. So, you know, but in terms of comparing yourself to others, and we, we all know the, the whole uh, saying, you know, one of a couple of things is going to happen. Either you're going to think way too much of yourself or you're going to think you're never capable of being that person. I think you have to be realistic and you have to look into, okay, what, what is it I'm trying to accomplish? What do I have to do? And it's okay to aspire to be people or to be a certain type of person or to, to have certain type of accomplishments. But I think there also has to be a sense of realism in the world. And I, I you know, I, it's hard to explain in the business sense specifically, but you see a lot of the younger folks that come in and want to change the world, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that, but they want to make money as fast as they can. You know, whether it's the right way, the wrong way, they want to climb the corporate ladder. And part of that's our own fault because what we do when we sell, and I can speak to this from the recruiting standpoint, I always talk about upside. I always talk about vertical growth. I always compared with one of my clients, I compared to the very first place in my head, the United States Marine, and here's what he's done in three years since he's been there, boom, boom, boom. And I subconsciously may have known you have no chance of ever being that person, mm -hmm. but I was going to tell you about him. And I think we have to be very careful with that. So it's definitely something that's very, very real. But it's like what you, you said, just lock into competing with yourself every day and what the process is. You know, it, the the one thing I noticed you posted the other day that I loved online was uh, the Frank Martin interview and what he had kind of talked about. I know um, there's a lot going on right now with March Madness, and you and I were talking about the weekend's games. But when Martin got asked that question uh, last week by that kid, and he asked about defense and said, is it a mindset thing first or a technique first? And Martin gave him ultimate respect for the question, but then it was the mindset. you got to get the mindset right. We'll teach you the technique. Um, 
do you take that similar approach in your trainings, your corporate trainings of we've got to adjust your mindset and then we're going to apply the skills that you need to succeed? Um, or do you do things a little bit differently? Well, I think the attitude before you can really become great at anything, I think you absolutely have to have the proper frame of mind. I think you have to have the right attitude. Okay. Um, we call it a champion's mindset. Uh, but you know, you look at corporate America and, and let's say there's going to be budget cuts. What is the first thing that major corporations cut out of their budget? It's personal development. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, it, it makes absolutely zero, zero sense whatsoever. Okay. And when I get in this and I have some friends that are, you know, executive level, folks that I'm very, very close with, you know, childhood friends, and we get in this, I don't want to say an argument, but we banter about it. And I get it from a, a balance sheet standpoint, and I get it from the thought process. But from a type, you know, and I'll say, you know, what kind of value, what are you showing your team, what kind of value you're adding to their life? You know, if you're taking away something that contributes, not just at the office, but away from the office, okay? I mean, one of my favorite sayings is this, how you do anything is how you do everything. And you think about that, think about it from a working out standpoint. Okay, you walk into your home office, okay, it's disorganized, it's a mess. And I'm not saying be immaculate, be perfect, but if you don't take care of your home office, if you don't take, I used to tell our players all the time, you know, however, however you do things off the court is going to be a direct reflection of how you do things on the court. And I think that's the very same thing in the business world. And I think it starts at the top. We're so driven by, by metrics. We're so driven by bottom line that we forget what's really important. And that's the core intangibles because that's what it all goes back to. And I absolutely believe you have to have the right approach. You have to have the right attitude because when crap really hits the fan, that's what it's all going to come back to. All right. It doesn't matter what your sales pitch is. It doesn't matter how well you can run numbers in your head. All right. How well can you lead? You know, and, and we could get into, you know, not everybody wants to be a leader. Well, that's fine. You need great followers. You know, I have a very good friend of mine who just retired as a commanding officer at Oceana uh, Naval Base. Okay. Lou Shager. Years ago, we were having a conversation about this very thing, and he says, we need, we need great leaders, but we also need great followers. But to be a great follower, you have to really master self-leadership more so than anything, and you have to be able to lead yourself. So leadership's very real, and it's, very, it's for everybody, and that's in corporate America, and you do deal with that a lot. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. Ironically, I've had a couple of conversations in the last few days about that, Um Chris Brogan, who does a lot in the online space as well, really focused on businesses. He's built his business the last number of years on a platform he calls Owner Media. And it's about the idea of being an owner in your own life. Um, Andy Frasilla, that runs a, a nutrition company called First Form, uh, is all about being the CEO of your own life, regardless of whether you're an employee, you're an entrepreneur, you're in that leadership position, of having that ownership, that leadership in their role. And I love that. Um, in comparison, I had a separate conversation with someone about just a lot of people these days don't like superstars. They're not a fan of certain superstars. And, and certain, I'll agree, certain superstars rub me the wrong way. But the ability for someone in sports at that level when the whole team, the whole company is struggling for them to say, I got this, put everyone on their back and carry them through that is, is needed. Because you see it in sports with certain players 
Um, but in life, you still need those individuals, just like you mentioned. If someone doesn't want to be a leader, that role is not for them. They can still be a leader within kind of their position. But at the top, you've got to have someone that's willing to look at the team when it's 2008 and you're in, you know, the economy's going down the, the crapper and puts everyone on their back and says, I will carry us through this. We will get through this together. Follow me. Um, I love how the leadership in both parts makes what makes sports special is what I'm trying to say in that you've seen it as a coach and that the sixth man is as much of a leader sometimes as that superstar because that sixth man has to take their role in leading the reserves onto the court and running that program just as much as you do with the team captain. There, there's no question. And sometimes the rock, sometimes the go-to person in the hard situations isn't the superstar. But when it is a superstar, you're that much better for it, you know. We used to always tell us, if you want to be a championship team, your best player has to be your hardest worker. Yep. Okay. So that, you know, with that being said, you look at it from corporate America. Well, let's, you know, let's stay with Frank Martin. You know, first of all, that was awesome what he said to the yeah. kid. And what a great question that the, and how old did they say he was? 10, 11? Yeah, he's somewhere well, in there. He yeah. Yeah. He sounded young. I mean, it, it took some intestinal fortitude <laughs> to ask Frank Martin that question, first of all. And, um, but you look at Frank. Frank's not the flashiest coach, okay? But you get to the core of who he is as a person. They say a team is a direct reflection of their coach. That South Carolina team is – that's it. Yeah. You know, they, they have a couple rocks on that team. They have a couple guys who are superstars in their own right for that team. But you know what? They're not going to go on to be LeBron James or Kobe Bryant or anything like that. No. Okay? But you, you're, you're absolutely spot on. You have to have and, – and I'll throw this out there. You have to have two weeks ago, we had a great event, March to Mastering the Madness. Mm -hmm. we, we had a panel discussion, and our two panel guests were Matt Petty, who's a good friend of mine from Creighton. Uh, he had a great career there, um, and he is now president of Tridex Systems. Uh, and for as good of an athletic career that he had, he's had a 20-time better uh, business career. And it's just direct reflection of who he is as a person. And Deion Thomas, who's the all-time leading scorer in Illinois history, and and one of the the most genuine people I've ever met. Well, anyways, Matt said something to this, and we talked about superstars versus cowboys. And you, you do need the superstar to say, hey, I've got this, but you don't need that cowboy that goes off the range and tries and does it his own way. Yeah. You know, and how many times do we see that um, in business? We see it in, in life. We see it in athletics. Uh, you know, so I think it's a very fine line. And people will have a tendency to chastise and, um, MF, if you will, the yeah. person that tries to be the cowboy. But what people don't take a step back, there might not be an awareness on that person's part that he or she is doing that. So that's where we try to step in and work with stuff like that. But you the, to to have someone join your group that does have the ability to put everybody on their back is, is a pretty cool thing. Absolutely. But it, it's funny because we before we hopped on air, we were talking about who's our team. And, and obviously, I'm a TCU guy, and they're playing in the NIT tonight. But Grew up watching Duke and loving those guys because of that team atmosphere. And they had superstars, and you had the guys you, you love to hate, but they never went on. Most of them never went on and dominated in the NBA. I mean, some of his best teams, Grant Hill injuries aside, he had a great career. But you look at some of his late 90s teams before he had the Elton Brands and, and those guys, and it was Wojnarowski, like, Wojo's coaching now I mean he was never going to play in the NBA but like he was a great fit for their system and they all bought into that system 
that that coach ran. From when you come in and they're working with corporations, getting everyone on the same page is a coach's job. It's a tough, tough task. Do you have any differences between doing it in the corporate landscape versus the sports space? Because everyone still has their own agenda. They're thinking about their bottom line and what how it's going to impact them on both the court and in the boardroom. Well, first thing you have to have is buy-in. Okay, you have to have buy-in. And truth be told, when you start talking about self-leadership, you better have buy-in with yourself too. But in the corporate setting, you have to have buy-in. And I think it all starts, I don't think, I believe and I know it all starts with the culture. And are you building a culture of growth or are you building a culture of acceptance? Are you building a culture, this is how we do it, that's it? You know, what is your culture? Are you a family? Um, That's one of the things that I took away from athletics. When I was at Creighton, you know, so I graduated from high school on a Sunday and I need to be in Omaha, Nebraska on a Thursday. Now, you know how it is when you graduate from high school. You want to go to the beach all summer. You want to hang with the boys, do your thing, get in a little bit of trouble. So, I mean, what am I going to do in Omaha, Nebraska with the rest of the crew? Okay. So we go out to Omaha and it was the most brilliant thing our head coach did because what happened was you either had a job, went to class, worked out, and that was it. Okay. We became very, very close. And we went through a lot of highs and lows that year. But the thing about us that separated us and differentiated us and why we were able to make the tournament that year was because of the bond we built as a family. And I think, and I, I had an event early in the year, and Comcast Business was one of the groups that was there, a uh, leadership team, enterprise team, leadership team. And I spoke to them about the culture inside the culture. So you have this major corporation with its, so you have the Comcast culture, okay? But, you know, you're, you're John Doe and this is your team. What's the culture of your team? What's the buy-in, okay? How close are you guys? Um, how well do you work together? So I, I think, you know, you went in the locker room first, John Gordon, great little book, okay? And I, I think there's, that could be what separates. If you want to look at it from the big picture, that's also what's going to help recruit. That's also what's going to add, you know, what's going to bring people to your company. You know, say it's a level playing field between you and company XYZ. What's the separating factor? Hey, man, it's a great place to work. Why is it a great place to work, you know? Well, here's the deal. So absolutely, I think you have to you have to get the buy-in first, just like you would in athletics. And you have to have, here's the biggest thing, you have to have a singleness of purpose. You have to have, and you have to be able to identify what your role is, what your individual goals are, and how they align with the team's mission, the team's vision, uh, and the team's goals as well. But it all comes back to being a great teammate, being a part of something bigger than yourself, and what is a singleness of purpose when you come to work every single day. I love that. And man, this has been a lot of fun. I always love talking sports. I always love talking business. Where can people find you online? Where, what social media channel do you want them to connect with you? And then what is your website? Okay, so the website is themolitorgroup.com. All right. And you can find me on LinkedIn, uh, Ed Molitor on LinkedIn. And you can also find me on Facebook. Uh, go ahead and find me on Facebook. Uh, or reach out to me at ed at the Molitor Group, and that's spelled M-O-L-I-T-O-R group.com. Perfect. And I'll be linking to all this in the show notes so everyone can reach out directly, say hi, ask you any questions on what we've talked about today. Ed, this has been great. Thanks so much. Hey, thanks a lot, Jake. It's been a blast. That's it for another episode of the Better Than Yesterday podcast. 
thanks for joining us this week. I, I appreciate you as a listener. I appreciate each member of the Compete community, and I'm glad that you tuned in this week, and hopefully you found some value in what we shared and who we brought on and just the, all the types of content we're out sharing. So if you got feedback, like I said, shoot us a note directly to podcast at competeeveryday.com. Connect with us on social media. Say hi. Tell us you found the podcast. We love connecting with new members of the community. We want to welcome you. Uh, we want to find ways to connect you and equip you with ways that you can be better than yesterday. Have a great week. Don't forget, you can always tune into the show at betterthanyesterdaypodcast.com or we drop new episodes every Tuesday at 5 a.m. on iTunes. Thanks for tuning in.